This is the sound of turning ideas into software. This is the sound of engineering and passion. Work. Work more. Work harder. Experiment. Build. Break. And build again. Write code. Improve it. Job done. Celebrate. Insurance. Finance. Retail. Defense. Robotics. Energy. Amethyx. Welcome back to another episode of Data Science at Home podcast. I'm Francesco, podcasting from the regular office of Amethyx Technologies based in Belgium. Today, I'm not alone, and uh, we're going to cover a very important topic, uh, confidential computing. We'll speak about SGX. We'll speak about hardware protection, uh, private machine learning, and much, much more. I'm uh, with uh, Daniel Wynn, the CEO of uh, Mithril Security. He's a graduate from Ecole Polytechnique with a specialization in artificial intelligence and, of course, data science. He worked at Microsoft on uh, privacy enhancing technologies under the office of the CTO of Microsoft France. Uh, he has written also a few articles on uh, homomorphic encryption with the CKKS Explained series. And, of course, I will report some of the links in the show notes of these episodes, as always. He is now focusing on confidential computing at Mithril Security, the company co-founded, and he has written other articles on the topic. Hi, Daniel. How are you doing today? Very good here. A bit melting, you know, like it's like 40 degrees, but here I am. <laughs> and here we are indeed. So we're going to cover a lot of topics today. So to start with, uh, the project uh, goes under the name of Blind AI, and uh, there are several requirements uh, that you know belong to these projects. In fact, for example, uh, privacy and security uh, of data of computation. Uh, so, what are the current privacy and security challenges uh, when it comes to artificial intelligence and data science? So you know, like it's it seems obvious when we say that, but AI needs data to be trained like medical data, biometric data, and so on, and also to be applied on. But the issue is then sharing your data for those AI models, because often you want confidential data to be used for the AIs. Example, you might want to use uh, your conversations at home for like a smart assistant. You might want to use medical data, scans of your bodies and things like that for AI to help for diagnosis of some cancer, for instance. But the thing is, you want to make sure that this data remains protected. And actually, it's a big challenge to protect data, especially when more and more solutions use the cloud. Cloud is a great tool that has been evolving in the last decade, but it implies that you need to send data to the cloud provider and eventually also the company that rents the cloud. But once you send data there, even if you encrypt it during the transit, with TLS and on such things, it is decrypted there and therefore data is exposed. And it's like the last mile. You know, imagine like it's, you know, like uh, what we see with delivery is, you know, uh, provide executing the last mile. And it's the same thing here. We want to make sure that even if data is decrypted in the cloud, you don't want the cloud provider or the company that uses the cloud to see your data at this particular moment, just before it is analyzed, uh, where it is decrypted. And protecting that last mile, if it is done correctly, will make sure that your data remains protected, even if you send it to be analyzed by GPT models, by OpenAI, by Google, or by your favorite startup. And so you can benefit from AI without having to worry about privacy. 
Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And especially now that cloud computing is much more prominent technology than, I don't know, 10, 20 years ago. Uh, you know, the fact that, if, you know, as a matter of fact, you can have attacks, you know, even in, you know, in the cloud providers, or there could be, and I'm not saying malicious intentions from the provider, but it could happen that, for example, there is some misconfiguration or, or a bug in the software they use. And so your data would be 100% exposed. Uh, that's, you know, that's a fact. Uh, and so what you are proposing here uh, is a technology that uh, essentially allows some kind of end-to-end -end encryption of your data, uh, still allowing compute on such data. And we have seen this um, several times in the literature, and we're gonna expand on that a bit uh, in the, you know, as, as we go. But uh, before we get there, uh, if you wanted to give an explanation of confidential computing for, uh, let's say, not so technical people so that we make this episode kind of self-contained and uh, everybody's happy. <laughs> yeah. So confidential computing is the use of secure enclaves, which means hardware, so that we can protect the data while it is being analyzed by third parties. So you can see secure enclaves as kind of black boxes. And the idea is that if I want you to analyze my data without me having to trust you, you can use those black boxes where I will send my data encrypted. It will be decrypted inside this black box. And while it is inside the black box, it will not be available to you because there is hardware protection through what we call memory encryption and isolation. So that while you manipulate it, you don't see it but it is in clear inside and you can execute any kind of regular CPU instructions. And so you can apply your AI model, get a result, re-encrypt this and send it back to me. And thanks to this technology, we are able to benefit from other services without having to expose your data. And the funny thing is you can actually uh, protect both the model or the data and you actually use it in your everyday life. And for instance, uh, on smartphones, iPhones, and so on, they are secure enclaves. Why? It is to protect, for instance, the biometric data that resides on your phone so that it can be used to match you, you know, during your, uh, when you use Face ID or uh, uh, Touch ID, but so that this biometric footprint, what we call a template, is protected. And we, we in our side at Metro Security, we focus more like uh, server-side enclaves in the cloud. But you already use that in uh, the client side with smartphones, for example. So what you're saying is that this is kind of getting a standard technology that is kind of off the shelf, in fact. Yeah. The tough part is how to uh, make a product out of this technology. There are like very specific features that, you know, for instance, as I mentioned, Touch ID or Face ID, but it's very specific thing that, you know, your phone provider has implemented. But it's not like easy for the common people to use that technology in the cloud. And also when it comes to security, I would just want to say that, you know, you really have to know what you're doing because a trivial bug in uh, with security software would make that countermeasure or that protection completely useless, in fact. So, uh, you, you, you know, you better let the experts do, what, do their job when it comes to security and encryption uh, and confidential yeah. computing for sure. Daniel... Uh, are you guys the first ones? Because I believe that there are some competitors out there <laughs> we should spend some words on. Um, what do you think? Yeah, sure. There are many different solutions that exist. I would put them, so there's a first uh, dichotomy. I guess there are software-based solutions and then there are hardware-based solutions. 
So software-based solutions, it's things that you might have heard, such as homomorphic encryption or secure multi-party uh, computing. And uh, the good thing with this technology is that you don't require specific hardware. The bad thing about it is that it's usually much slower, like 1,000 or 10,000 or sometimes 100,000 times slower, which makes it hard to use in practice. And also, um, it can be complicated to execute any kind of operation. For instance, try evaluating GPT-2 uh, with uh, the solution. It might be a little bit challenging, but at least you don't require specific hardware. Then there are hardware-based solutions, basically secure enclaves, that don't have the you know, constraints of speed. And for instance, uh, at Blend AI, we've been able to execute a GPT model with 3 billion um, neurons uh, in, one, in one second. So it's interesting because this means that you can actually use state-of-the-art models with privacy guarantees. Uh, but the issue is, as we mentioned, we, you will then need specific hardware, and but those hardware can be found in the cloud or you can buy it ourselves. And so we find ourselves from the software-based solution because we choose to use hardware, but thanks to this, we can cover existing scenarios with our solution that are not possible today. For instance, speech-to-text, a lot of things, you know, a lot of state-of-the-art AI models. And then within the uh, secure enclosed world, people have chosen to approach and provide a product differently. Some people provide SDKs, like in Go, in Rust, stuff like that. Some people provide ready-to-use uh, Docker images that you uh, to have you run Docker images inside enclaves. And in our case, we have chosen to focus on AI, and we have decided to provide a tool that is uh, tailored for the needs of data scientists to train or deploy their models. And thanks to this focus, We've been able to provide something that is easy to use, secure, and fast. So that has been our approach, focusing on creating the tools for AI uh, with compression computing. Yeah, and that's a great goal and a, a great objective for sure to make this technology available and usable for practical scenarios. Uh, as you mentioned, having a ten thousand x slow down. Uh, you know, training a neural network means that whatever was training in uh, a, a couple of seconds or, or a few seconds or a few minutes would take 10,000 that, uh, you know, for cert with certain software-based technologies, homomorphic encryption being one of those. Uh, many other times, as I know, uh, the the keys that are usually generated for homomorphic encryption are so are, are even larger than the data itself. So it definitely makes it uh, not feasible. So there are good, uh, let's say, theoretical technologies, theoretical methods uh, that work in academia, work on paper, uh, but actually are not feasible for practical uh, situations. And uh, and that's why I'm a, I'm a very big fan of blind AI. To be honest with you, I'm also a big fan of the uh, technology stack that you guys are on. Uh, we're going to spend a lot of words there. So I think we're going to enter the most technical part of this episode, uh, which is uh, the technical stack of, uh, of Blend AI. And now let me tell you something important. Cyber criminals are evolving. Their techniques and tactics are more advanced, intricate, and dangerous than ever before. Industries and governments around the world are fighting back, unveiling new regulations meant to better protect data against this rising threat. Today, the world of cybersecurity compliance is a complex one, and understanding the requirements your organization must adhere to can be a daunting task. But not when the pack has your back. 
Arctic Wolf, the leader in security operations, is on a mission to end cyber risk by giving organizations the protection, information, and confidence they need to protect their people, technology, and data. Their new interactive compliance portal helps you discover the regulations in your region and industry and start the journey toward achieving and maintaining compliance. Visit arcticwolf.com slash data science to take your first step. That's arcticwolf.com slash data science. So there are several moving parts there, uh, one of which is, of course, uh, the Rust programming language. We are big fans here on uh, Data Science at Home podcast, uh, but there is also Onyx involved, there is Tract, all technologies we have discussed in previous episodes, but uh, Daniel, I give you the stage <laughs> to introduce yeah. these technologies and how they play uh, under the blind AI umbrella. Yeah, so just to, I think uh, it would be good to just provide a little reminder of what blind AI is. So blind AI is uh, a confidential AI inference solution. We have chosen to uh, focus on inference first, but we're covering training uh, currently. At, at, uh, we're working on it. And the idea is that with Blend AI, you can put a regular AI model that you have, for instance, that is exported to the Onyx file, and then you can serve it inside an enclave so that your users have guarantees that the data that is sent to you is not being seen by other parties, such as yourself, if you're an AI provider or the cloud provider. So that is what we do. And as you mentioned, there are different uh, technologies that are involved. Um, I guess uh, there are three big ones that uh, we can mention. So the first one I can talk about is Onyx. So Onyx is uh, a kind of standard that has been evolving recently to train and deploy AI models. Uh, it has been pushed a lot by uh, Microsoft and uh, Facebook, but also uh, Nvidia. And the idea is that the issues that people face is how do you deploy a model for production once you have trained it in TensorFlow or PyTorch? And the idea is that Onyx is a way for you to export your trained model into the format, a binary uh, that is uh, called an Onyx file that contains the structure of your AI model. For instance, it says, okay, here is a linear layer with such parameters, etc., and so that you can, uh, you know, um, wrap your uh, neural network inside a graph uh, in a binary format, and then you can load that in inference engine. And for instance, there are several ones that are famous, uh, several uh, inference uh, frameworks that exist, like uh, Onyx Runtime. Um, and then on top of this inference engine, you have like a framework that serves the model. And for instance, you can find uh, Triton from NVIDIA or um, uh, TorchServe or that kind of uh, solutions. And finally, there are like additional layers, like for instance, uh, CASERV that will wrap those uh, inference frameworks, for instance, to deploy it on a cluster. And so I, I think there are like kind of three layers, like there is like the pure inference engine that is in, uh, in charge of uh, loading the execution graph and applying it to it. Then I said there's a middle layer with uh, frameworks like uh, Triton from NVIDIA. And then I guess there's a third layer of ab abstraction, such as um case that will uh manage users deployment and cluster and so on and so in our case we have taken tract which is an inference engine in rust that was initially made for uh, embedded uh, inference and we have ported that to make it work inside the secure enclave and then blind ai is the middle layer 
that is able to load the uh, the AR model in securely inside the enclave, uh, serve the model to the client, and so on. And we're working on also finding providing this abstraction layer, this third layer, to make it even more easy to manage users, key management, etc. But so this is like how the project is architectured. So tracked is essentially the runtime. It's by the way written in Rust, uh, which is great because Rust, uh, we have to say, it's a, a very secure language for which uh, certain bugs are not possible by design. Uh, of course, still logical errors are possible if you know there are still human yes. uh, humans coding, so uh, we cannot avoid that. But uh, a lot of the stuff that was possible with, for example, low-level languages like C, C++, uh, buffer overflows, double-free uh, uh, adders, um, and several other uh, memory violations are physically not possible, right? So that's what Rust comes with. Uh, now, you match, you, you pair this amazing and powerful tool that is Rust with something that has already been implemented for embedded devices like uh, Tract which is extremely optimized, you optimized even farther uh, to bring this stuff into the, uh, uh, the SGX, SGX enclave, and boom, you have blind AI. Well, you have the, the hardware side of blind AI. I find this so cool. <laughs> and all this is, is open source, right? Yes, it is open source. You can just type blind AI on, and you can find all GitHub. And yeah, you will see that it's mostly... I mean, there are a lot of Python, but this is just for the client because it's sure. <laughs> yeah, the server yeah, part is mostly REST. And there is an SDK as well, right? Yeah, we, we have, so it works in two parts. There is the server side, which is mostly REST with the track, modified track engine for SGX. Then there are some stuff that we call attestation that is necessary for enclaves. So all the uh, server side, it's actually packaged inside a Docker image that you can easily deploy. And spoilers, uh, we're going to provide the blind as a service soon so that you don't need to manage the server side. We'll manage it for you. So you can just upload your model. And then there's the client side, which is currently in Python, so that you have a small SDK to upload the model, query it with the security checks that are needed when you use secure enclaves. And then we are working on also on the side to have a Wasm client, for instance, to be used for a browser. Uh, or, for instance, to uh, have a client working uh, for in Android or iOS, because, for instance, you might want to use I don't know speech to text from your uh, phone with secure uh, with security guarantees, even though the server is in the cloud. So we are covering that as well. Nice. And uh, are there a list of CPUs that actually support uh, SGX and Clay, like? Uh... Can I use Intel, AMD, ARM processors? Yeah. What, what's, what's the list? So uh, to get your hands, oh, the thing is, as I mentioned, we use the specific hardware to benefit from the isolation and memory encryption so that you don't need to trust the third party with your data and clear. But then, yeah, you need to find the right uh, hardware. So there is a list on um, on Intel. Uh, you, can take, you can type on Google, I don't know, uh, IntelliJX uh, enabled CPUs. That's, I don't remember exactly, but I, I can give it to you afterwards. Whether there is a GitHub uh, page was to provide a list that is uh, updated, and there is a, a list as well on Intel websites. But basically, if you want to get access on this, 
to, uh, to retrace the hardware, you can find it easily on Azure. They have uh, Azure Confidential VMs with IntelliJX enabled. So this is quite easy to get access to. You can also simply, if you want to deploy it on-premise, on you can just buy the hardware. That's what we've been doing. We've bought, uh, we've bought recently uh, an Intel Xeon um, Icelake third gen that we use for uh, testing purposes. So if you have some constraints and want to do it on-premise, you can do it as well. And our Docker image is a package with everything so that you can just buy the hardware and run our Docker images quite easily. Other uh, hardware providers, uh, AMD and NVIDIA are in the game too. Uh, AMD provides a different technology called AMD SCV. I will not go through all the details, but it's a change of paradigm compared to Intel SGX, uh, but it's working as well. And you can find it on GCP, on Azure as well. And uh, NVIDIA will uh, provide secure enclaves with its GPUs too. So, so far, if you want to a little bit of context, like IntelliJ started in like 2014. Uh, AMD uh, came with their solution in 2017 and so on. Um, Azure came in like 2017. And then um, GCP and uh, AWS also provided their professional computing offer in 2020-ish. But none of them had GPU uh, abilities. But in 2022, um, NVIDIA announced that their upper, uh, the next GPU, will have the ability to create secure enclaves. So that this way, we can much more easily tackle scenarios such as you know uh, training and so on. And um, that's that's really a game changer for a lot of industries in you know the pharmaceutical industry, autonomous driving, and so on. And this is uh, going to come at the end of the year, and we can get. Uh, preview of uh, this uh, confidential GPU on Azure. So who's involved in this? Like there is a team behind Blind AI, I believe. <laughs> yeah. So the, the story of Blind AI is uh, I was working at Microsoft um, in 2020 for my industry internship. And I was exposed to like homomorphic encryption and like uh, secure enclaves. I thought it was uh, quite cool, but there was no ready to use solution. Like, you know, Data scientists are used to having those little nice uh, frameworks like transformers and all. But I thought that there was this thing missing for AI inference and, and training with secure enclaves. And so, uh, yeah, we decided to, with two of my friends in uh, 2021, to um, create this missing piece so that you know it would be easy to use uh, secure enclaves for AI. And so Raphael uh, Mier uh, is a friend of mine who is um, who's come from a business school and worked on uh, IT products in the cloud, has joined me. And Mehdi Bessa Massetio joined me in uh, 2021 to, uh, to create this missing piece. To me, it was important that we create something that is easy to use. Because in my opinion, we were like 10 years ago when the hardware and the low-level software stacks were mature enough in the AI field, but we didn't have like the PyTorch and you know easy to use uh, frameworks uh, to make it available to most data scientists. And I think we're on the same uh, stage, and that's why I wanted to build Blind AI. And with this team, uh, with those three people, and I actually uh, added Corentin Lavardia, who is who is our security engineer. We had the whole team completed, 
And uh, we started working on this on like, we created the company April 2021. Until like now we are like uh, 12 people. We recently finished our uh, seed round and we have like a security team. We are actually going to start an audit soon that we will uh, open and put it on our GitHub. We have a software engineering team that, that works on uh, low level uh, layers for the deployment solution. And soon uh, we will announce our training solution. And then there is like the business and community team that aims to spread our solution. There's definitely a, a very rich roadmap ahead. I, I again, I'm a fan of this of this amazing software. I, I know the technology pretty well, um, and that's why you know I'm excited because I can understand it, and I believe that the listeners out there uh, will too after this this episode. That's at least what I hope. Uh, we did a decent job explaining you know quite complex uh, topics to the uh, to the big public. Um, Daniel, I think we are unfortunately getting to the end of this show. And of course, I would like to speak about these things for the next three, four hours, but we can't. Um, now, one thing that I will definitely do is reporting some of the links we have discussed in this episode in the show notes uh, on the official website, datasciencetom.com, as always. So Daniel will be very uh, uh, kind to give us some of these links. Um, also, uh, there is a, a conference coming uh, over uh, in the near future. Uh, there is a lot of stuff that's going on. And of course, we will, uh, uh, Daniel will keep us up to date with uh, what's going on in the confidential compute uh, world. Uh, other than that, uh, you guys are hiring probably or you're looking for <laughs> expanding the team? Uh, yes. So the technical team is kind of complete. Uh, but we are looking for um, uh, someone to help us on the, uh, let's say, developer relationship, grow the community, you know, uh, create more content, reach out to, you know, data scientists, security team, and so on. So yeah, someone to help us with the technical marketing would be great. Um, yeah, that's essentially the, the key word we are looking for currently. Cool. So well, if someone is listening there. I think that Daniel made a call. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Thanks, Daniel. Francesco. Thank you so much for your time. This is amazing work. Have a nice one. Thanks a lot, Francesco. Bye. You've been listening to Data Science at Home Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Podbean to get new, fresh episodes. For more, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or visit our website at datascienceathome.com.